Amen. Praise God. Praise God. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Leviticus chapter number 6. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I feel so inadequate. I'm standing behind this pulpit. Hallelujah. With the man of God that we have in our life. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Let's Leviticus chapter number 6, verses 8 through 13. If you have it, say amen. Praise God. Leviticus 6, starting with verse number 8. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. It is the burnt offering because of the burnt because of the burning upon the altar all night unto the morning. And the fire of the altar shall be burning in it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment and his linen breeches, and shall, shall he put upon his flesh, take up the ashes which the fire hath consumed with the burnt offering on the altar. And he shall put them beside the altar, and he shall put off his garments and put on other garments and carry forth the ashes without the camp unto a clean place. And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. It shall not be put out. Notice, it shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. And verse 13 says, the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Amen. Again, verse 13, the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall Never go out. Amen. For a little while this morning, I want to talk about this topic this morning, the ever-burning altar. Amen. Can you pray with me this morning? We need God's anointing in this place. I can't do it without him. And hallelujah. I want, to, I want to be able to help somebody today. Lord, we love you, Jesus. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we give him a hand clap of praise one more time this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated this morning. Amen. Praise God. Uh, how many of you have had an old-fashioned fireplace or an old-fashioned stove in your house? Amen. It's work to keep those things going. Amen. When I lived at home, my dad refused to start the fireplace. And if I wanted the fire in the fireplace, he told me I had to go do it. So I took it up on myself to keep the fireplace going in the wintertime. And then they got a stove, and I took it up on myself to make sure the stove was going in the wintertime. Amen. It's, it's work. Amen. You run out of wood on the porch, you got to go out and cut some. You got to get some more kindling for the fire because you want it to keep burning. Amen. You've been, you've been on a, at a campfire. You want the fire to burn all night? They say it keeps all the pests away. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they say. Somebody's got to be tending that fire all through the night. Amen. Praise God. You got to keep refueling that fire. 
to keep it going. You go to sleep at night, in order to keep the fire burning, you got to wake up every once in a while and put some more wood on the fire. Keep that stuff burning. Amen. It's not, it's not something that you start and you let it go. Eventually, it's going to be put out. Amen. Most of us know this is all common sense. Amen. Amen. The point still remains today, though. You have to constantly fuel a fire if you want it to keep going. If you, never, if you want it to never end, you've got to keep working on it. Amen. Praise God. That's just, that's just nature. That's how things happen. Amen. God told Moses in Leviticus that in order to keep the fire burning on the altar, there's going to have to be somebody manning the fire. Amen. Let's, let's look at Leviticus 6, 8 through 13. I'm going to read this in the English Standard Version um, this morning. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth on the altar all night until the morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment and put his linen undergarment on his body, and he shall take up the ashes to which the fire has reduced the burnt offering on the altar and put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garments and put on the other garments and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not go out. It shall not go out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning and he shall arrange the burnt offering on it and shall burn on it the fat of the peace offering. Fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. I like how they put that. The fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall never go out. Amen. There was never a time that God allowed for this fire on the altar to be put out. I don't see any exceptions in this in this law that God gave to Moses, keep the fire burning. And Moses had to, to relay that to the priest, and they had to keep the fire burning. Amen. It was important. It was important. Amen. Praise God. There was, someone, so, there was always someone that had to go and check, is the fire burning still? If not, we need to refuel the fire. Is, the, is it starting to go down a little bit? Somebody had to go and fuel the fire. Somebody had to clean out the ashes. Somebody had to get out of bed at night sometimes, I'm assuming, and go and make sure the fire was still burning. Amen. Amen. I guess I, I, as I began to read this, I began to think of some men even before the law was intact in, in that had an understanding of what an altar really should be. Amen. The first man that I thought about was Abraham. Abraham understood if his relationship with God was going to last, amen, he would have to keep the altar built up. From the first time that we see Abraham, God made him a promise, and Abraham responded by, by leaving his family and his country behind. And the first thing he did when he camped, he built an altar. Amen. Wherever his dwelling place was, he built an altar. 
Amen. Praise God. Genesis chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 is where we find his first altar. It says, And Abraham passed through the land unto the place of Sychem, unto the plain of Moreh. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. In the very next stanza says, And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Amen. Even another, another time in, in Abraham's life that came to mind, Abraham had to face a pretty large trial, trial of faith. He had to separate from those he had to love. He already did that. He moved on. God gave him a promise that he was going to have a son. And that promise came to fruition. Amen. Praise God. When Abraham didn't understand why God wanted to do what he had to do, Abraham was told by God, look, I want you to take Isaac Thine only son, and I want you to sacrifice him. I can only imagine the thoughts that went through Abraham's mind as he began to think, God, this is the promise that you gave me. However, Abraham didn't waver. We find Abraham the next morning mounting up and taking Isaac into the mountain. And when he got to the mountain, we all, most of us know the story. Isaac looked at his father, and they're, they're, they're walking towards the place where they were to make the, the sacrifice. Isaac looks at his dad. Dad, we've got, we've got the fire, but where's the, where's the sacrifice? Abraham looked at him and said, Son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. Amen. Praise God. I could go so many directions right there. God did provide himself a sacrifice, and that was Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. But I may touch on that here in a few moments. But Abraham said God will provide himself a sacrifice. And even though Abraham didn't understand what God had in mind and how God's provision was going to come across, he still trusted God, and he still built an altar. Genesis chapter 22, verse 9, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Amen. I'm not going to preach about Isaac and Abraham this morning, but what I wanted you to notice is even though Abraham was told to do something that was very difficult and he was going through something he did not understand, he still built an altar. How many times have we went through life and we didn't understand what was going on? But instead of building an altar and talking to the one that was in charge, we tried to take charge ourselves. 
What, what would the outcome have been in those situations if you would have just built an altar and left it in the hands of God and let God take care of the situation? What would have been the outcome? I tell you, God has a plan and a purpose for everything. Hallelujah. But he also gives us our will. Hallelujah. And he's going to leave it up to us. Are you going to leave it in his hands or are you going to take it in your hands? Amen. I've been in those places many, many times. And dear Lord, I wish I would have left it in his hands. Amen. Praise God. Because I made a wreck of things. Hallelujah. And he had to come pull me out of a pit that I'd done dug myself into. Amen. And, and I'm trying to learn my lesson, not repeat things more than once. Amen. But I'm sorry to tell you, I've, I've repeated it too many times. Amen. Praise God. Build an altar. Regardless of your circumstances, build an altar. Find a place with God and build an altar. Keep the fire burning upon that altar that began at salvation. Hallelujah. Praise God. We find that the altar was the most consistent thing in Abraham's life. Regardless of what Abraham was going through, he was building an altar. Everywhere Abraham camped, he built an altar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. But not just Abraham. I began to think there was a man named Gideon. The first thing that we find Gideon doing after the angel approached him and talked with him is he built an altar. Hallelujah. Before God gave him victory over the enemy, God, he had to build an altar. Hallelujah. He had to put away those things that were going on at home, and he had to build an altar unto God. Hallelujah. The first thing we find Gideon doing was building an altar. Judges chapter 6 and verse 24. This is right after the angel has departed. It says, Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day is it yet in Ophrah of Abiah's Ezritis. After the altar was built, God gave him victory. It wasn't just happenstance, guys. It wasn't just happenstance that he got victory. He had to put his foot forward, and he had, to, he had to build an altar unto God. Amen. If you want victory in your life, you've got to build an altar. Amen. You, you want victory over your circumstances, you've got to build an altar. You've got to talk to God. You've got to have that relationship with God. If you want a relationship with God, you've got to have an altar in your life. Hallelujah. Praise God. So what is an altar? What is an altar? I did some searching, and I'm sorry if I don't pronounce these words correctly. I'm not a Hebrew and Greek scholar. I'm sorry. But the Strong's Enhanced Dictionary says that Mizbia is what it was translated from, which is an altar, or just basically an altar. Uh, it, it is derived from a word, zeba. Um it means to slaughter an animal, usually in sacrifice. To kill, offer, do sacrifice, to slay. There's death in the process. There's death in the process. Some, some sacrifices that happened in the Old Testament, sacrifices of righteousness. There were sacrifices of strife. There were sacrifices of dead, to, of dead things. The, the, the covenant sacrifice 
we find the Passover. Their sacrifice at the Passover. They had their annual sacrifice, which rolled their sins forward another year. And they also had a thank offering. It's amazing. The altar has to be involved in praise as well. Amen. Amen. Just a little side note. If there's not an altar in your life, you'll be lacking in praise. Amen. If you notice yourself slacking in your praise lately, maybe you ought to check. Hey, how big is that fire on my altar? Is it, is it still burning on my altar? Is it still burning on my altar? Because if the fire is burning on the altar, I can promise you, you are going to give God praise and thanks for everything. Amen. Because it will come from the abundance of your heart. Amen. Praise God. Dictionary.com. I wanted to go more modern here. It said dictionary.com. Put it this way. Um, it was from a Hebrew term, misbia, from a word meaning to slay. It's what dictionary.com says. There's death in the altar. I said there's death in the altar. Amen. However you look at it, throughout the scripture, there was always death at the altar. Amen. Something had to be killed for sin. Something had to be killed to make the relationship between us and God work because of the sin in our lives. Amen. In all reality, we should have been dying for what we were doing. The animals shouldn't have been dying. They didn't commit the sin, but they were our atonement. They were their atonement. And today we have Jesus Christ who shed his own blood, as Pastor preached last week, on the cross. Hallelujah. And I'm thankful for that wonderful blood that he shed. Amen. Praise God. We got helicopters coming in the church this morning. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. In all reality, we should have paid the penalty of sin. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. If it wasn't for Jesus, we would have no hope this morning. Praise God, because we cannot repay the debt that we owe for the sin that we committed. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's no thing that we can do to be good enough to make it to heaven. And God knew that. And that's why we find that God robed himself in flesh. The omnipresent spirit took upon carnal flesh, just like you and me. He came and took upon himself our sins when he was upon the cross. I become overwhelmed sometimes, most of the time, all the time, when I begin to think of the, the, the price that he paid for my sins. I'll never forget that message last week. To see my Savior hanging and tortured upon an old rugged cross. For what I did and for what you did, I didn't deserve it. I still, to this day, I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough for what he did for me. But yet he loved me so much. Hallelujah. 
Praise God that since he was, he was a spirit, he is a spirit, he has no blood, he had to take upon himself flesh. And he had to dwell among us. Hallelujah. That he could be the ultimate sacrifice. Hallelujah. We find Isaiah prophesying about he who was to come. And I began to read through this this morning again and I began to rejoice because of how awesome it is. So many years before, Isaiah could get it so right. Amen. But that is the word of God. It is the word of God. It's the grief and the sorrow of transgressions that he had to bear. Isaiah chapter 53, and I apologize, it's, it's, not, it's 12 verses long. I'm going to read this entire chapter real quick. But just listen as Isaiah wrote. He said, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. There's only one way that we can make it to heaven. And it was because he came and he was wounded for our transgressions. Hallelujah. It was it was because he was bruised for our iniquities and because our chastis- the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. And we can be healed because the stripes were laid upon his back. Hallelujah. Praise God. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Still talking about Jesus. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He had the power to fight it back. He had the ability to say, you're not doing this. Because Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Not one man that day could have had the ability if God would not have allowed him. But he loved us so much, he didn't even open his mouth. He took the beating that you and I should have taken. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his dead. Death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it, disple- yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. 
He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. The king of kings was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many because of the price he paid. Because of the price he paid, we have a promise of an eternity with him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. We are reconciled because God was in Christ. Because God came to this earth. And his flesh was crucified on an old rugged cross. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. First Timothy 3 and 16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. It was God that paid the price for you and I. Hallelujah. It was, it was God in Christ that reconciled the world to himself. I said it already. The spirit could not shed blood because the spirit had no blood. That's why he took upon himself a fleshly body. Like you and me. <laughs> he felt the things that we feel. Say, God, how can you understand where I'm coming from? Because he's been there. He's felt that. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He knows where you're coming from. <laughs> he knows better than anybody in this world where you're coming from. He knows me better than I know myself. Amen. And he came, and he died for me. We have that high priest. We have that advocate with the Father, if we can only find an altar. The common denominator in all of this is we've got to have an altar. We've got to have an altar. We can't take Jesus upon what he did for us. We can't accept the promise of the Father unless we have an altar in our life. We can't continue a relationship with God without an altar in our life. You got to understand that all things in the Old Testament under the law were done for a shadow 
of heavenly things. Hebrews 8, chapter 4 through 5 says, For if he were on earth, talking about Jesus, the high priest, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. Pay attention to verse 5. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses would have admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou makest all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. Moses had to be careful. I do it exactly like what God told me. Because this is a shadow of heavenly things. We've got to understand that just like they had to have fire burning upon the altar at all times. We have to have the fire burning upon our altar at all times. Just because it was under the Old Testament law doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to us anymore. We've got to have fire upon our altar. Your relationship with God is determined how much fire is upon your altar. How much time do you spend in the altar? How much time do you spend refueling the flames that are upon the altar? Amen. We start, we start the fire. You may ask, where does the start, fire start? The fire starts when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's where you built your altar up. That's where you came before God and said, God, I'm sorry. I'm tired of living my old life. And I'm going to build an altar of repentance. Amen. We keep that fire burning by returning to that altar of repentance day after day, over and over again, sometimes more than once a day. God, I need you again today. Lord, I'm sorry. I've failed you many times. Returning back to that old altar of repentance. Finding a place again of godly sorrow. Saying, God, I want my life to be exactly what you want it to be. God, I don't want to live my life my way, but God, I want your perfect will to be done in my life. How are we going to accomplish the will of God without an altar in our life? My question is, as I begin to study about Abraham and, and about Gideon, would God have blessed Abraham as he did if he quit building altars? Would Gideon have been used in the mighty victory? If he had never built an altar. How important is the altar in your life today? No, we don't. We don't, we don't necessarily have to burn. We don't have to burn animals on the altar anymore. That, yes, that was under the old law. But God still desires a sacrifice. He paid everything. The Bible said, greater love hath no man than this. <laughs> greater love hath no man than this. That a man lay down his life for his friends. He laid down his life for you and me. He didn't owe it to us. But we owe him everything. Would it be too much of a sacrifice to give him our life? Would it be too much of a sacrifice to build an altar in our life and let our life revolve around that altar? Building our relationship day after day. 
we keep the we keep that fire burning by returning to that altar of repentance over and over again. The Apostle Paul expressed this very fact in his letter to those at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31, he said, I, pro- I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, I die daily. I die daily. It's not once a month. It's not once a year, but I go back to the altar on a daily basis. I go back and I crucify myself at the altar. And I leave myself at the altar that God may have his way in my life. Hallelujah. The altar of repentance is reported. You can't live without an altar of repentance in your life. Amen. Your relationship is hinging upon your altar this morning. Can we all stand this morning? We got to go back to that altar day after day. Jesus told us this in Luke chapter 9 verse 23. He said, and he said unto them, said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. About once a year. Easter's fine. Oh, uh, once a month, that's a little better. Three times a week, I'm in church Thursday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. It'll be all right. It's not what Jesus said, is it? And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Put himself on that altar. Let him die upon that altar. There's still death in the altar. There's still death in the altar, church. And that's me. Let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Got to go back day after day. We want a vibrant relationship with God. It's going to depend on how much fire is left on your altar. I'm telling you this morning, I can't afford to allow my fire upon the altar to go out. My life depends on it. He paid too high of a price for me to let that fire go out. I owe him my everything this morning. I owe it to him to go back to the altar day after day saying, God, I need you again today. God, I ask that you would take my flesh and that you would remove it from me. Remove my carnal desires and I pray that you would replace it with your spirit today. That those that I come in contact with would see you in me and they wouldn't see me for who I am. the Holy Ghost this morning I mentioned a moment ago God still requires that we would sacrifice to him I'm not talking about animal sacrifice I'm talking about our will our will has to die on a daily basis you can't let your will determine where you're going to wind up it's like I talked about earlier you'll find yourself in a pit wondering which way is up calling out God I did it again I need your help 
Help me find my altar again. Help me find my altar again. Paul tells us that we ought to give a sacrifice so that we can know what is his good, acceptable, and perfect will. Romans 12, 1 and 2 said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Hear that? A living sacrifice. It means it's still going on. A living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This is just a basic part of your relationship with God. How's your altar this morning? Verse number two says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When we have an altar that is ever burning, I can promise you, you have a life that's filled with the Holy Ghost. Keeping the Holy Ghost filled up, keeping the fire burning upon the altar. Amen. I'm telling you, if you come today, you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're wondering what in the world you're talking about. The Apostle Peter was asked that same question. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 said, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What are we going to do about what you're talking about? Verse 38 said, Then Peter said to them, Repent, be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises to you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And verse 40 brings it to home. So then with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Your altar depends on you, upon the decisions that you make, and and your relationship with God. How's your altar this morning? If you don't have an altar in your life, you can come today and you can begin that altar. You can start with repentance this morning, having a godly sorrow for the sins of your life. And then being baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ so he can remit your sins for eternity. And when you have at least repented, you will find that he is willing and wanting this very morning to give you the promise of the gift of the Holy Ghost. To those of you that are here today and you need to refuel that fire, there's an altar down here waiting for you. How long has it been since you've been in the altar? Why don't you come today? The altar's open this morning. Find a place to pray. Let's rekindle that fire this morning. Let's refuel that fire today. Hallelujah. Our relationship with God depends upon how vibrant that fire is burning this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. You want the Holy Ghost this morning?
altars open for you today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Brother Brandon. Beautiful message this morning. Amen. We need an altar. Jesus prayed in the garden. He said, not my will. I want my will. I want thine. Amen. Praise God. I, I want the will of God in my life. Amen. Praise God. Well, thank you for your attendance this morning in service. Amen. We invite you back this evening, 6 o'clock, 5.30 pre-service prayer. Come expecting God to do great things tonight. Amen. God can do something awesome anytime, right? God's awesome all the time. Amen. But I just, something about coming together, amen, with those of like precious faith, worshiping God, magnifying God, amen. I think God enjoys us getting together, praising Him together. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Any announcements that I need to make? Just Praise the Lord. Well, Lord bless you. Thank you again for your attendance this morning. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.